As Jeff said, our first reading is from the book of Psalms. It's actually the 30th Psalm. You'll find that printed in your bulletin insert if you'd like to follow along. In preparation to hear these words, let us turn our hearts in prayer. Holy God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives who've passed them on to us. Open our hearts and our minds anew this morning that they might awaken us this day. Amen. I will extol you, O God, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. You have brought up my, sh- my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to God, O you faithful ones, and give thanks to God's holy name. For Yahweh's anger is but for a moment, and favor for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O God, you had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. To you I cried and made supplication. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell you of your faithfulness? Hear, O God, and be gracious to me. Be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Holy One, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Before I begin, I want to say it is really wonderful to be here. In fact, I feel like there's a part of me that's just excited. I mean, 7th Avenue is still beautiful and vibrant, and the music is still drop-dead gorgeous. Um, it It is wonderful to be here among you. In fact, I was so full of stuff that I missed the Gloria, standing for the Gloria Patri. I don't know if you... The New Testament reading is from the fifth chapter of Revelation, verses 11 to 14. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads upon myriads, thousands of thousands, singing with full voice, Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb 
be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Excuse me. I move around a lot. I'm never quite sure how much space I'm going to take. So resurrection, what does it feel like for you? How do you hold it in your body? What brings it to heart and mind? So I have no doubt that you had gorgeous worship here. Any moments in particular that struck you this Easter? And where else? There have been a couple of times in the past few weeks that specifically come to mind when I think of resurrection. And the first was a struggling kind of resurrection, but it has stuck. I'm nesting in the UCC church in Alameda. And in choir rehearsal, we were practicing the anthem that would be sung on Easter. And it was one of those traditional Easter anthems in which you hear, Christ is risen. You sing, Christ is risen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Alleluia. Again and again. And at one point, I realized I was singing it with all I had. Because unconsciously, and then consciously, I was exorcising all the Donald Trump engendered fear out of my body. I had the mental image of my fist in the air. Christ is risen as protest, as faith as power in the best sense. The second was a distant but heartfelt witness. Last Sunday, I was talking with a friend of a friend who was going to be speaking about an organization called Planting Justice. The church there supports this group. And she said that this organization plants gardens in places with little food security where there's not grocery stores. And they have a garden in San Quentin, which I thought was pretty cool. But then she went on to say that they train inmates for certification in permaculture so that they can hire the inmates as soon as they are released. So you've got food justice, you've got economic justice, 
and you've got incarceration-related justice. And she said that she has a friend who was put in prison when he was 18, uh, 17 years old. 17 years old. 20 years later, last fall, he was released. And he now works for them. And he is now teaching high schoolers how to grow food. And she said that she's also taught him to type. I could feel myself getting teary, and I saw her getting teary. But back home, I looked at their website and found this man's story. His name is Bilal Coleman, and he's African-American. And at the end of his entry, he writes, I hope that sharing my story will change people's minds about so-called violent criminals like me. I am human. I am gentle. I do not deserve to be thrown away. I have a light to shine. Despite societal evil and systemic failures, arising, resurrection. It gives us hope, doesn't it? And we need hope. I confess that I've been feeling a little weary inside personally. My husband says, um, my husband Jeff says that he's been hearing me walk around. (sighs) I'm still processing the loss of my dad. Uh, It'll be three years in July. A warm, vibrant, creative, fun person who suffered from ill health for the last 20 years of his life. And as many of you know, it's hard to lose someone before you lose them. My mom is doing all right, but she's thin and she's frail. And like Jeff's mom, I heard um, my mom was in hospice. She graduated out of hospice, but she... It's still a tenuous position. And then there's my and our, my husband and my own sense of aging. It's really different looking at the process from inside out. (laughs) Right, it is. (laughs) And then there's the same old, same old places. I bump into with myself, my workaholism, my perfectionism, my self-doubt, the relative I'm not quite sure what to do with still. It's first world complaining, I realize, first world grief, but it's still real. So this passage in Revelation, part of our lectionary readings, caught my attention. The book of Revelation does that, doesn't it? It catches our attention because it is so weird. (laughs) You probably know that it's the only truly apocalyptic book in the Bible. It's about the end times, the triumph of good over evil, the final triumph of good over evil. Tradition says that it was written by the Apostle John. We're not sure about that. Um, 
but definitely someone named John. But tradition said it was by the Apostle John, who's now aging. He's imprisoned on the island of Patmos for preaching the gospel. It's a terrible time for Christians. They are under terrific persecution by the Roman Emperor Domitian. They are being killed for their faith. So John, in prison, has these visions, and he writes them down. In our passage today, we see angels, living creatures, elders, and then angels, thousands upon thousands, myriads and myriads, praising the Lamb. And then creatures in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the seas, also singing their praises. It's an impressive scene. I was trying to get an image of this and tried to do the sketch, and if you can't see this, it is no great loss. <laughs> but I figured it is so complicated that John could not have made this up. It is, it is so, it is so amazing. It had to be visions. But I want to back up a little bit because there's something interesting that happened earlier in the chapter where we are dropped down in this passage, we see everyone praising the Lamb. But earlier in this passage, John describes his vision, and in the middle is one seated on the throne. And there are all these elders, there's angels, there's four living creatures, these winged creatures. And in the right hand of the one seated on the throne is a scroll with seven seals. There's writing on the front and back of the scroll, but the scroll is wound up, right? It's, you can't read it because of the seven seals. And an angel cries out, who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? And no one is found not in heaven, on earth, or under the earth. And the writer of Revelation weeps bitterly. But then an elder says, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. But then John, in this vision, sees among the gathering a lamb standing as if it was slaughtered. That's how it's described. I can't quite picture it, but anyway. And the lamb goes to the one seated on the throne, takes the scroll, and everyone falls down before him. It's not a lion, but a lamb who is worthy. It's the resurrection story in another form, isn't it? Here at the end of our canon, reminding us of the kind of God that we worship. I remember a friend who happily married, remarried actually in her second marriage, 
said of her husband, with tears in her eyes, he gets me. He really gets me. And that's what I think of when I think of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. As one commentator says, and we know this, the experience of human life and death is taken into God in Jesus Christ. A human being shares the intimacy of God's throne. God in Jesus Christ gets us. God in Jesus Christ gets you and gets me. Wherever we are in our own broken places, we are loved just as we are. But we're also invited to engage with our brokenness and the brokenness of the world in new ways. This is what it is to love and follow the Lamb. So wherever you are sensing resurrection, maybe that's an invitation for you to follow and see where it takes you. Maybe it will take you out of your usual patterns. Maybe it will be uncomfortable. Maybe it will be surprisingly okay. But know that the love and the power and the goodness, the godness of Jesus Christ goes with you. And there will be life and new life. And keep doing what you do so well here. This worship. This community. This caring group that also looks outward. I'm thinking of the image of all the living beings. The elders, the creatures, the living creatures the myriads upon myriads and thousands and thousands of angels falling down in worship. It is not only our history and tradition and our weekly practice, it is our destiny. It here says, Revelation, right? It is our destiny. And for now, it's also, it's also our salvation. I felt as if I got kind of a double whammy in the good sense earlier this year in church. We were taking in new members, and you know how new members always share something about themselves. One of the new members we were taking in is a transgender woman, very, very beautiful, sweet spirit. And she was saying she feels that she is a better person, that she, a better Christian, that she can love people even more when she can be herself. And then she shared that she hadn't been among us for a while because she had gone back home to Texas, and that had not been that great an experience. And she said it kind of messed with her mind hearing what her relatives were saying about her. And then she said, 
but I'm listening to all of you now because you're listening to God. Later after worship, a group of us were gathered to make uh, little ornaments for the Day of the Dead, which we're going to celebrate in a few weeks. So all of us had photos or, or else were writing the names of beloved deceased friends and family members, and I was doing one with my dad's handsome photo right in the middle of it. And someone said, we're all working at, at um, tables, and someone said to someone on my right, um, she's a newer church member in her 70s, 80s, beautiful, another beautiful spirit. Um, someone said, I'll call her Jean. So, so Jean, um, who's that? Because there was this, just the name of a man there. And she said, oh, I'm so glad you asked. And I thought, Okay, there's a big story about to, we're about to hear a big story. And she said, he is the father of my children. And up until an hour ago, I have been angry with him for all these years, but I'm not anymore. The pastor and I just looked at each other. We don't know what happened in worship. But something happened. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is this God in Jesus Christ who gets us, who invites us to new places of hope and resurrection. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Amen.